1: Metropolis, we welcome you to a very special episode of Wizards, the Podcast Guide to Comics. We're the bi-weekly podcast that re-examines the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine. And perhaps no event is more synonymous with that era than the Death of Superman storyline from DC Comics. Wizard Magazine produced a special tribute edition magazine in the wake of this moment that shocked the world. And we're ready to revisit that fateful day. But first, allow me to introduce you to our trio of solemn pallbearers Joining the procession for this episode wondering if the death of jimmy olsen's turtle boy would have sold as many copies as superman number 75
0: i'm adam and convinced that batman would have wiped the floor with doomsday if given the chance i'm michael
1: and joining us tonight is one of the masterminds behind the retro network that we're proud to call our home he's our perry white though he looks more like lex luther the second welcome to the show mickey arbor am I supposed to say something cool like you guys did (laughs) (laughs) just your presence
2: and your cadence is cool enough. Well, I'll add something man anyway, waiting front and line at Superman's tomb for the procession to roll in. I'm hey. Mick.
1: There, very nice, very nice. Now, Mick, you were scheduled to be our very first guest. When we proposed Wizards to the Retro Network, you were our number one fan. You were so excited about the concept, and Mickey is a very busy man, and time just got away from us, but you made it very clear that this was an extremely important event in your comics history. So, why don't you tell us your origin
2: story? Actually, everything ties together perfectly with your show right now. So, my brother's eight years older than I am. He was always in the comic books, he was in the Incredible Hulk mainly. We had some Hulk toys and stuff. But anyway, I grew up watching Spider Man and his amazing friends at the time when it was back to back with the Incredible Hulk cartoon. 84-ish, 85, somewhere in there. That led into where I grew up. We had a covered carport that had this coffee table with sliding doors on the front. The thing was filled with comic books. His from the 70s, some stuff from the 60s. I'm not sure where those come from. So on rainy days in the summer, we would lounge around on the carport and I would read all kinds of comic books. Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, Superman, Batman, whatever was there. And this was in the era when... A comic book, a single issue, had a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story. So you could read one book, put it down, pick up another, and read it. Eventually, we moved, left the comic books behind, unfortunately. Oh, no. Right. But we traveled a lot with my dad, and my mom would buy Archie Comics Digest at gas stations along the way, and I would devour those, and that kept the flame just barely flickering, right up to the point of the death of Superman. My brother and his best friend were collectors, big into the trading card collector market at the time, speculation market, just like comic books. But they were also going to get this issue, and there was a card shop, a good little drive from home they were going to, and I took my money with me to get this Death of Superman comic book. I didn't realize, though, that all the copies that store had were by reservation only, so I couldn't get a copy. So what I spent my meager amount of money I took with me that day was wizard comics magazine number 17. So all this with your show in general and the death of Superman ties right into my origin story. But I eventually, a couple of weeks later, got to read a copy of Superman 75 that a friend of mine, who I didn't know was in the comics, had bought. And I was hooked. And from that point on, the whole death, funeral for a friend, reign of Superman storyline led right into Nightfall with Batman and Emerald Twilight with Green Lantern. And I was off to the races from then on because, like I said, it was a card shop, but somehow they were selling Superman 75 and they had Wizard Magazine, which I had no clue what it was or that it existed. Existed. But I bought it because it was called the guide to comics and being a card collector, you know, I was big into Beckett and Tough Stuff magazine. And this said it was a price guide and I just picked it up. And at that point, Wizard became really m- most of my comic book world back then. That's why I was such a champion of the idea of this show, because where I live in the rural area, when it come to buying comic books, there was no close comic book store. All we had was a little grocery store that had a single file stack on the bottom of the magazine rack each week. It was a hodgepodge of what was available, so without wizard you know I would read it from front to back cover to cover and devour everything about comic books that I could and seeing what was coming out and what books were hot and salivating over them. I had a friend though whose mother would take him that hour and a half drive each way to the closest comic book shop on Saturdays and after a few months I got to start tagging along so it was a few months after this that I actually got into the comic books and discovered Image and Valiant and the cool covers and stuff like that.
1: Okay so you did start amassing a collection eventually what would you say was probably your most prized book and did any of those survive
2: my most prized books do survive today but it would be several years before they would come out and that was the uh, original marvels miniseries oh beautiful yeah alex ross all that i never had any older books that were worth anything. It was just always what was available at the time. Well, And also, I got in on the ground floor of Ultraverse because contrary to most people who come on the show, and probably contrary to most people who listen to the show, I never fancied The art, I was and still am more of a story guy. So the flashiness of image comics didn't appeal to me, but the deep storytelling of Valiant did. The storytelling of the Ultraverse hooked me mainly because it was new and here was something I could get in on. And not be weighed down with years of continuity, I could jump in on the ground floor of that continuity. And like you and I have talked before, I love those Ultraverse books, but my selection back then was minimal at that grocery store. So in the last year, I've started purchasing the entire ultraverse so i buy like 40 issues at a time i found a great chronological reading list of the entire history of the ultraverse and i just go through and like okay here's the next 40 i need to buy and
1: read (laughs) well that's awesome yeah i knew you were amassing that knowledge we actually have another guest who just put in their bid today to come in because they also want to talk the ultraverse so there are those fans out there though yeah that's great but someone who is not new who was not on the cutting edge in 1990 was Superman and for those who don't know Superman was created in the 30s by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster who were shopping the idea around for many years before they finally got it picked up in 1938 as the cover feature of Action Comics number one at National Publications which eventually became DC Comics but by the time we were all reading the character uh, he was well into his 50th year of existence so uh, we were definitely not there on the ground floor for Superman, but I'm curious, Michael, you're our resident DC expert, so what would you say was your relationship with Superman comics prior to this event?
0: As a comic book, I wasn't always buying Superman books prior to this. I was still buying mostly Batman and and Spider-Man and and even Captain America. I had maybe a handful, I I looked recently, maybe two or three Superman books prior to this run, but I I remember remember when I was in the comic book store picking up my monthlies for Batman that was coming out a few months earlier. They had a sign there that said, hey, reserve your Death of Superman book. And I was like, the Death of Superman? What are you talking about? And then I started like seeing it in the news, and I went back to the store, and I put down $5 or whatever it was to reserve the book, and got my single book if i had known any better i would have probably bought two and kept one in the bag but now they're not worth that much so who cares anymore (laughs) but yeah but it was one of those things where after that issue i started gobbling up all the reign of superman things and i sometimes would miss them they'd sell out in the comic book store and i'd find them at like you know a borders books or at the grocery store and i would and at one point i think toward the end of the run they were selling them in bunches and i bought like probably 20 or 30 different stories or like Supergirl stories that are all tie-ins and so on and so forth and I have almost the entire run of the Reign of Superman books that came out in all the different publications and so on.
1: Okay, interesting. See, for me, I was grabbing issues here and there of Superman. You know, I, as I was thinking back to our episode zero and talking about our origin story in comics, you know, I cited two Marvel books, which were the first that I ever picked up off the rack, but I recently Recently remembered, and I still have it, I'm holding it in my hand here, a Superman spectacular oversized comic. That I had when I was younger and this actually came out the year I was born so this is in 1982 and this was the startling saga of Superman Red and Superman Blue and so this is like an awesome comic that I do remember reading because Superman gets split into two and you know Luther's involved I think this guy Terra Man is involved but it was one of those things where I kind of read it you know and then I didn't get really into comics till many years later so when I was digging around in back issue bins, I ended up grabbing just whatever Superman comic looked interesting and old to me. So if I was at an antique store or a comic book store, I'd say, oh, that's a cool cover. It looks like it's from the 70s or this one's from the 60s or whatever. And I would just grab them here and there. But I was definitely not reading the current crop of books that they were putting out there. So I'm curious though, then, you know, Mickey, you said this was your starting point. Did you ever go back and find old older books over time or was it always just moving forward in this event and then the other things you discovered through wizard
2: well this was the jumping on point for me personally being into comics but like i said i grew up reading all these comics from the 60s and 70s and 80s that we had and there were numerous superman books that i had read i remember the superman versus muhammad ali issue my, oh, I had that when wow. I was a kid and read it, or my wow. brother had it, and I read it. You know, it was just a, another rainy day read. I grew up, actually, Superman was not dorky to me growing up. You know, the movies were cool, and the stories I read when I were young were cool. So when this death storyline come along, just all those memories, I was into it, you know, from the moment I heard about it. Like, ooh, I want to see what this is, because it wasn't just uh, superhero comics that were in that coffee table. I'm going to say there was probably three, four hundred books in there, but there was Unknown Soldier and Sergeant Rock and Walt Disney Comics. We, I grew up reading a whole bunch of but I never collected anything until this point in time. But as far as going back in time after this, yeah, several, several years ago when Torrents were all the rage. I actually downloaded this massive Superman chronological torrent. It was like 400 various issues. And so I have read everything Superman probably from... 1989 on? Or when did they reboot it? Was that 87 with the Man
1: of Steel? yeah. I think it was Man of Steel. Yeah. So I've
2: pretty much read everything from then on up through Death of Superman, up through the later version of Superman Red and Superman Blue. So I'm a big Superman fan.
1: Oh, that's great. So this begs the question, because in this Superman Tribute Edition, what they've done is they have a section where they actually went and polled all these comics creators and asked them about their favorite. Favorite Superman stories. Now, overwhelmingly, they're mentioning Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which preceded the Man of Steel reboot for The Man Who Has Everything, also by Alan Moore, but others are citing stories like Must There Be a Superman by Elliot S. Megan uh, as a very pivotal story. But do you guys have a favorite that stood out that you could say, Oh yeah, and I remember this Superman story outside of the death of Superman saga?
0: I'll let our guests go first.
2: Well, I've got a couple uh I couldn't tell you what issue it's from. I'm pretty sure it was either a Justice League or a showcase or something from way back when, but there were a group of Justice League (laughs) ripoffs going around committing crimes. And I just remember the guy who was Superman in that group was really just a bodybuilder. And it was funny that he had a mustache, but people thought he was Superman. And that always stuck out to me as being weird. And not long before The Death of Superman storyline, several months before that, was the Time and Time Again storyline. I always thought that was a really good Superman story, too, where he's caught in that time stream bouncing from era to era back to like the Civil War or the Revolutionary War, and then he's in the future, and then he's back in the past from issue to issue. That was one of my favorite stories before this one came along.
0: How about you, Michael? I do have a very strong connection with this particular run, but... Uh, I have two fairly recent ones that are pretty good. There was a tie-in book for Superman with Final Crisis that was all in 3D, and it was only three issues. And it's basically like him journeying through the multiverse, and it's really, really, really good. And right at the end of the New 52, there is uh, a story called Convergence, and they bring back this superman and he's married to lois lane and this is where they have they actually have a son And now the son is in the comics now. He's John Kent. But he somehow gets into the New 52 timeline, and he's wearing the black suit, and he has a beard, no cape, and he's just flying around the world, saving people without anybody knowing that he's there. And the whole point of it is he knows that he exists in this timeline where there's another Superman, but he doesn't want to steal that guy's thunder, but he still has to be him and help people. And it's a really, really interesting, like, six-issue book. Somebody wants to read, like, a short Superman story, this is fantastic and it it's literally this version of Superman transferred into the new fifty two and it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Now for me, one that always stood out because I it was one of the few issues I think I bought shortly after it came out. I think it was still a back issue, but it was fairly recent. And it was part of this storyline that was called Crisis of the Crimson Kryptonite, where Lex Luthor gets some red kryptonite, I believe, from Mr Vixix however you say his name, and uh, <laughs> he depowers Superman. So now, you know, he's human and Luther like literally beats him up after he loses his powers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I remember issue 50 was this big deal because it was like back to full power and Superman is busting through a brick wall. I actually used that cover image for my dad's birthday when I was in high school and I put his face on Superman, you know, and all that stuff. (laughs) So I have that personal connection, but I recently in a back issue bin picked up an earlier issue from that storyline where it says like literally, The man of steel. And so he's coming through the brick wall this time, but he's got a suit of armor that he had Professor Hamilton build for him. And in the meantime, Starman is filling in for Superman in his costume and flying around the city to make people think that he's still active and still available. And so it's really, it's a really cool story like all the different things they had to work into it before he gets his powers back ultimately and defeats Luther once again. But I always thought that was a very very fun storyline that they were able to, to piece together of an era close to the one we're going to discuss tonight. That stood out to me. Now, the magazine also provides an overview of the different artists who brought Superman to life on the page over the many decades of his existence. Starting, of course, with Joe Schuster, then very famously Kurt Swan in The Silver Age, Neil Adams, John Byrne, uh, even up to Dan Juergens, we're talking about in 1992, then obviously many, many more artists worked on those books. So I'm curious for you guys, past or present, do you have a favorite who just has the iconic look for you?
0: I think Dan Juergens really was the connecting point for me. I thought his portrayal of how superman looked was what i envisioned if if christopher reeve was a comic book it would be this kind of thing that's kind of how i felt about it ditto (laughs) see and that was going to be
1: my choice initially when i when i was first thinking of this show i was like yeah dan jurgens draws my definitive superman but then as i was going back and rereading this storyline and everything i started looking at it and i was like you know who i really prefer is tom Grummet. He was drawing one of the Superman books at this time. And I just, I find his art just a little bit more refined and it just, it looks really beautiful. So he became like, as of this reading, my preferred Superman artist. I mean, I, for all DC characters, I pretty much go back to Jose Luis Garcia Lopez because he did all the promotional artwork, you know, obviously the superpowers, action figures, card backs and all those things. So he kind of gets like the ultimate, yes, he draws my definitive dc universe but what i when i say like in the comic book space i think I, i'm going with tom Grummet uh in in this run
2: well like i mentioned earlier i've never been really struck by the art i can't explain that and i look at most of the things from the storytelling perspective so dan jurgens is an easy answer for me because he crafted my favorite superman story ever but the art that really does reach out and grab me has always been alex ross's stuff oh
1: yeah and when i think
2: when i think of superman two images come to mind one is just the 90s era Superman and the other is Alex Ross's Superman from the Kingdom Come series. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, the old Superman with the ponytail and the gray beard. And for whatever reason, that image sticks with me as much as just the classic 90s Superman
0: does. To piggyback on that, it's also the combination of that black and red emblem on his chest. It just has this weird, like, resonance to it, which gives it a a different kind of a feel. But the way he draws Superman and that, like, the jawline, and there's an image in, in Kingdom Come where like he's he's farming his own farm he's just kind of like floating in the air and it just looks like superman like you feel like something it's like that's a god to you it's pretty cool Mm -hmm. yeah
1: now you know we do give superman a certain amount of reverence in the pop culture but you know there was a time when superman might have been a little bit more ridiculous and so there is an article in here covering basically the silver age through brian cunningham he titled it the hall of shame so uh discussing Superman's moments of kind of craziness and people getting a little wild in their interpretations. For example, the whole idea of the super pets. So, you know, Crypto the super dog, you got uh, Beppo the super monkey, you got Streaky the super cat, and then craziest of all, Comet the super horse. Do you guys know the secret about Comet the super horse?
2: They made him eat peanut butter so it looked like he was talking.
1: (laughs) That's Mr. Ed, my friend. Clark. That's Mr. <laughs> Hello. Oh. Yeah, no, he actually apparently was a centaur, so he was half man, half horse, but then he got turned into a horse and then became Superman's horse. It's a very convoluted backstory to Comet the super horse. The other point they reference is the idea of Superman's Fortress of Solitude. The big deal was he had a giant key to open the Fortress of Solitude that only he could lift, although apparently He mentioned in one issue that it would take a hundred men to lift this key. So Brian Cunningham is saying, well, that could have easily been assembled. Some villain could have got a bunch of thugs together, flown them to the Fortress of Solitude. They lift the key and he gets in. You know, it's like, why did they never think of that option if it only took a hundred men? Well,
2: Luthor likes to play the long game. He probably created global warming just to melt the Fortress of Solitude.
0: (laughs) You never read All-Star Superman by uh, Grant Morrison? I've seen the animated movie.
2: Was that like originally a 12-issue series or something?
0: It was actually two parts, yeah. It was like a two-parter, like a six-and-six kind of a run.
2: Yeah, I think I've read that.
0: And there's a moment in it where they go, uh, Superman and Lois go to the Fortress of Solitude, and instead of it being a gigantic key, it's a tiny key. But it's so heavy that only he can pick it up. And I, I like that idea better. It's almost like Mjolnir with... Thor. It's like, only this one person has the strength to lift this particular object, and that's kind of a cool idea.
2: So small that you couldn't possibly get a hundred hands
0: on on it. Yeah,
2: Yeah. that's pretty cool
1: yeah it makes more sense all of a sudden now another great article uh that is brian cunningham's companion piece is called more powerful than and part of his introduction says when most people think of superman the things that come to mind are that he can fly anywhere he wants he's super strong he can lift the heaviest object he's invulnerable bullets bounce right off his chest but what most don't realize is that His powers weren't always quite that steady or simple. So, I mean, one of the main things, I think, is there's the old... I believe it started with the radio show and then transferred to the television show. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. So there it is right there. In the early days, all he could do was leap 20-story buildings. And somehow he went from that over time to being able to fly at the speed of light... And so, like there, there was just this evolution of his powers. Uh, also, originally, apparently, he once said in the comics he could be killed if run over by a train or hit with enough electrical charge. But soon he could swim through acid and withstand the explosion of a hydrogen bomb. But the explosion would just give him a headache. They had to keep upping the ante to make him more interesting. So Siegel and Shuster, I think they conceived him initially almost as like just a strong man. And yes, he's from another world. So he has some abilities beyond those of mortal men but they weren't super god powers to where he became able ultimately to control the muscles in his face enough to change his appearance to look like anybody wanted to his (laughs) supervision allowed him to read lips of people on planets in far-off galaxies and maybe uh, more ridiculousness involved super ventriloquism so he could trick Lois into thinking that Clark and Superman were in the same place super smell Wolverine must have stole that from him and super sneezing that if not kept in check could destroy a planet <laughs> So I'm curious for you guys, can you recall any other, like, silly, either Silver Age Superman stories or powers that you've heard of or read even in the modern day? Have they amped up his powers once again? Uh,
0: So in, in the New 52, they amped up his powers again and gave him the ability to, like, solar flare. And he basically generates so much power inside of his body that he would basically do a giant solar flare and almost become kind of an emp nuclear bomb solar flare but if he used it he would be depowered for a year it takes a year for him to recharge and he does it once in the comics and then he comes back and he's like okay he's still strong but he's vulnerable he can get shot he can get he can't fly anymore etc etc and then when he finally gets fully recharged again he once again has the solar flare this time blows himself up kills himself
1: what?
0: yes and because lois lane and lana lang were in the proximity of his solar flare they absorbed his energy and each got half of his powers
1: wow wait so what you're saying is but he was dead so they carried on and shared powers and fought for truth justice and some sort of way <laughs>
0: Then, then there was a new run of a book called Superwoman, and it's actually really, really good. At least the first six or ten issues is really, really good. And they're basically carrying on his legacy for a, st- a spell as Superwoman. Lois has his strength and speed and, and heat vision and so on and so forth and lana has like his solar flare ability and flight and a couple other things and it's interesting and they look really cool and the covers are really really nice they're by i think terry dobson did them and they look really really cool but yeah that's one of the most crazy things i've seen i was like what he can solar flare and he blows himself up to kill himself I was like okay wow
1: (laughs) Well, that's what I was saying. I found that hilarious. We're talking about the death of Superman here. There it seems to be the suicide of Superman. (laughs) It's just like, gotta use this power. Oh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Now, according to Wizard in this Tribune Edition, there are the top 10 perks of being Superman. And I I picked out the three most hilarious entries. So first of all, if you break something in a store, blame it on the guy next to you. Who wouldn't believe Superman? so there you go you got the super credibility of superman uh this one's for mickey here torment wwf ring boys and nobody can do a thing about it
2: well, that's what Pat Patterson thought too, once upon a time. <laughs> he liked the Torment Ring boys. We'll uh, let the house show guys tell that story at some point.
1: Uh, now, we will say, you know, one wrestler who entered the Superman universe was Lex Luger on an episode of the Superboy TV show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if uh, Lois and Clark ever had any wrestler cameos. Yeah. And then uh, last one here Melt tires of image delivery trucks with heat vision force all image titles to ship late and then in parentheses ooh maybe he's not dead (laughs) (laughs) image the butt of the joke everybody loved him but man you couldn't get your hands on those books apparently the butt (laughs) of the joke
2: at least until the check cleared
1: yeah (laughs) so now that we've talked a little bit about the history michael why don't you tell us about the build-up
0: to the event by 1992 dc was publishing Four different Superman titles, Superman, The Adventures of Superman, Superman, Man of Steel, and Superman in Action Comics. Yet according to the editors of these books, they weren't selling all that well because tastes had changed and readers wanted darker heroes. Rob Liefeld recently stated on his podcast that the popularity of Image Comics caused DC to take such a drastic step by killing one of their biggest icons to boost sales. Over the years, the writers had tried to expand the world of Metropolis and make it more appealing by giving Superman a cast of supporting characters. Another feature in this issue highlights a few of those notable friends and foes. Do you have any favorite Superman side characters or villains that you guys particularly like the most?
2: Oh, man. The whole world building a metropolis around this time in the early 90s is one of the most fascinating parts to me and what keeps me going back to read those stories. You know, outside of metropolis, the whole Cadmus project and everything that comes along with that Mm -hmm. that gets highlighted, you know, Guardian and the Newsboys. Agent Liberty who's running around, Supergirl being involved all the time, Team Luthor and Bibbo and Gangbuster. They just done a wonderful job I think with all these minor characters populating Metropolis to fill in backstories and in little subplots along the way. So I was I'm a big fan of all those characters from that era.
1: Adam, what about you? Um, I always have been a fan of Bizarro and just the whole concept of Bizarro because the origin story of Bizarro is just that Superman got shot with a duplication ray by Lex Luthor and then what happens bizarro comes out an imperfect clone of Superman me am bizarro me am hate Superman or you know me have Superman if you didn't like him you know like whatever it was just the, the whole cadence of the speaking and the, everything was opposite and I just I love the the look because it's so weird that he's just like this white rock version of Superman and I You know, he always seems to pop up in all the Superman media, right? Because he's just like, he's technically an evil version of Superman, but I always feel like he's played as the stupid version of Superman, and that cracks me up. However, you know, they choose to interpret that character, so I I would have to say, you know, in general on on the villain side, I mean the idea that there's a whole planet of Bizarro characters as well is always intriguing to me. How about you, Michael?
0: I'm partial to Supergirl. I really do like that character a lot. I think she's very interesting and every story that kind of comes from her is interesting even more so than supergirl though i'm a bigger fan of power girl who doesn't get a lot of credit and she's more of an earth two character i'm also a huge justice society fan and she's a major player in the justice society i just find her character very very interesting but of of this time i was obsessed with steel I thought Steel was such a cool character because it was kind Uh of like DC's answer to Iron Man. The sledgehammer was so cool. And of all of the reign of Superman characters, he carried the iconic mindset of Superman the best. And that's Uh what I thought was really cool.
1: Yeah, now, Mickey, I have to uh, challenge one character that you brought up, though. Gangbuster.
2: Uh, Well, it was just part of, you know, Metropolis is such a big place and he's you know kind of roaming around suicide slum taking care of the small street level stuff while Superman focuses on the big threats just the whole idea of all those characters together you know guardian patrol in the perimeter of the city from time to time so Superman can focus on the big stuff and we would see during the death of Superman and funeral for a friend how all those people really tried to up their game in his memory you know it's like we we've got to do this because Superman's not here it, it, I know
1: it, but Gangbuster is the guy who's always failing. Plus, he looks dumb. He looks like Eric Estrada from Chips. He's got his helmet on, and whoa, his whoa, outfit whoa, whoa, whoa. has a fist with with a no punching sign. But what's he doing? Oh, He's Eric out there Castrata. punching bad guys. I say.
2: Yeah, how can you say he looks dumb when you follow that up <laughs> and that he looks like Eric
1: Estrada from Chips? I mean, I strove to look like that at one point in life. I'm serious. I, I, I had a Ponch Migo figure. I loved Eric Estrada too, but maybe that's why I'm so upset. Is he's stealing his style, but he's got none of the charisma of Eric Estrada. That's that's what I'll say about it.
2: <laughs> okay, well I'll put him at the bottom of the list, but he's on the list as far as metropolis background <laughs>
0: characters. That was a strong backpedal there, Adam. I like that. <laughs> Before I go on, I just to point out Two characters that I don't like of the Superman world is I never liked Toy Master Guy, like the Toy Maker. Toy Man? Yeah, whatever. I just thought that never made sense to how could this be a real threat to Superman? And I, I am strongly in the minority on this, but I've never liked Jimmy Olsen. I thought he's kind of a throwaway character at this point nowadays. He doesn't really add anything to Superman anymore, but I just don't like that character.
1: Well, that's why I loved it this time, that they were turning him into a TV star. He was somehow like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle live-action character, you know what I'm saying? Like, And they were basing it on his, like, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen comic books in the Silver Age, where he got all these different powers all the time. But I just loved that concept of this era, where they're just <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> he's on TV now, he's not just a photographer. He also somehow lucked into that spot. Yeah. Jimmy
2: Olsen was very important, though. At uh, being movie fans like you are, have you ever heard the term "dog heel"? Yes. You know. Okay. Jimmy Olsen was the dog <laughs> that a dog heel could slap around to really tick off Superman. <laughs> he wasn't the one that was going to wipe out a city somewhere. You know, you needed Jimmy Olsen to be the one that got smacked around by some low level villain just to get Superman involved with it. He served his purpose.
0: That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Like they also can call it like like the lightning rod. It pulls him back to the human side of Clark Kent and so on and so forth. I, I get that. Yes, I agree. Fair enough.
1: And speaking of the movies, I will say Mark McClure was the one who kept the Super Universe together because he was the one crossover into Supergirl from the main Superman films. So I'll I'll always applaud Jimmy
0: Olsen for that. I'll applaud anybody who wants a paycheck, sure. I'll go to... <laughs> so the character had gotten a huge boost in 1986 when John Byrne had rebooted Superman in Man of Steel. And then in 1988... During the fiftieth anniversary, but Byrne left a few years later, and the Super Books seemed to have been coasting off that initial notoriety into a very slow decline. Editor Mike Carlin said that he was asked by news reporters why they killed Superman. He would reply with, "When was the last time you bought a Superman comic?" To which they would reply, "Not since I was a kid." And his ultimate answer was, "Then you b- killed Superman." <laughs> Turn it back on them. A really good point. Initially, the Superman books were building up to a wedding issue in 1993, with Superman having finally revealed the secret identity to Lois during a previous year. But ABC was about to premiere Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, the TV series, in 1993. So it was determined by the editor that it would be better to see how that show fared and if it would have a similar romantic event to coincide with so they scrapped the wedding storyline and started from scratch andy mangles writes a massive 11 page article in the special about the history of superman in animation radio television and movies what was your favorite non-comics depiction of superman in the media mickey
2: superman peanut butter
0: (laughs) (laughs) what it did taste better. <laughs> or like a gif or like a Skippy?
2: Are, are you not familiar?
0: No. Yeah, this is, I, I this
1: picked is... up some jars back in the day next to Peter Pan and Superman. Those are my, my go-tos.
2: And Batman peanut butter.
0: Ooh, I missed that one. I think I've seen the Batman peanut butter, but I never had the Superman one. Yeah, it,
2: was... it was just like, I ain't going to say like any other peanut butter, but it was on every grocery store shelf. In the mid 80s, around here where I live, it was, you know, like you said, it was Peter Pan Jeff or Superman. My mom bought Superman Peanut Butter. It had that iconic yellow metal lid and it had the Superman chest symbol on top of the lid and his image coming at you on the label flying with his double fist out and the Superman written logo on the jar. Uh, you could get it in creamy or crunchy. The crunchy had a blue lid. <laughs> wow. so when we're done recording, I've got a, a Superman Peanut Butter comic book ad. Oh. scanned that I'll I'll send you guys so you could Yeah, please look do. It too. Wow,
1: that's cool. Yeah, that
2: was maybe a corny answer, but <laughs> it's super awesome. I love it. <laughs> Superman was part of my life probably three or four days a week for a long time in my childhood because of peanut butter. So that's my answer.
1: (laughs) The one product tie-in for me that was big was when the DC superheroes were on Mr. Bubble. They were on the box of the Mr. Bubble Flakes, and that box sat in our bathroom for years and years. And I just loved the graphics on that with Superman and everything else. So that was a big deal for me.
0: I was going to go with something more like, oh, Christopher Reeve and Superman or even Henry Cavill in the most recent Superman movies. But now I got to feel like I got to dig a little bit deeper. <laughs> As a kid, I was obsessed with Pez dispensers and I had a Batman and Superman Pez dispenser. And I loved those things because I used to like tilt the head back and pretend like they were talking to one another and stuff like that. And yeah, I had both of those for many, many years. And then a few years ago, they sort of like re-released them. And I have them in my display cases. At least I have Batman and Joker. I don't know if I have Superman still, but I have to look. I had them in my display cases in plastic, still like these re-released versions of the Pez dispensers. So I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: no, that's awesome. Yeah, so many products he graced. I will send a special shout out to the 1988 Ruby Spears Superman cartoon. That was coinciding with the 50th anniversary of Superman, and I remember when that came on the air because the intro had the actual john williams superman theme and the animation was so beautiful you know i'd seen the superpowers galactic guardians whatever that version of super friends was on at the time but that particular show always stood out to me just for the quality of animation and like wonder woman showed up in an episode i mean they made it special it only ran for like the one season but it was very high production values but then after all that ha and excitement, they decided to kill him off. So let's explore that idea a little bit more here. Uh, now, apparently, according to the Superman editorial staff, the Let's Kill Him idea was posted jokingly on the idea board of every annual Superman story conference for years. You know, it was just kind of the joke. They threw it up there. But this time around, they decided there might be something to it. You know, they had to reconfigure their whole upcoming year. And so they said, well, what can we do to make it special because this was not the first time Superman had died in the comics over his 50 years of publication. So I was lucky enough, uh, I made the hunt and picked up two vintage books featuring stories of Kal-El's demise, uh, which were mentioned in the Favorite Stories feature by some of these older readers who had been around checking out Superman for many, many decades. And so the first was Superman number 149 from 1961, where Luthor tricks Superman into thinking he's reformed. He actually comes up with a cure for cancer while he's in prison, and (laughs) as a result, Superman like on his behalf is saying, like, oh he's had a change of heart and he lobbies for him to get released and so he becomes luther's bodyguard because uh, all these criminals now want to kill luther because he basically you know cured cancer now superman's his buddy he could have killed superman but he didn't and so now people are trying to get him and superman's there like you know melting grenades with his heat vision and all this kind of stuff and so ultimately Luthor has him build a space laboratory where he could work in peace and then he goes up there and Luthor traps him by shooting him with a kryptonite ray straps him to a table he's kidnapped perry white jimmy olsen and lois and they're behind this plexiglass whatever it is and they're forced to watch superman die on the table huh. They're moved to tears, and then Luthor just sends his body back to Earth. He's like, let everybody know, I killed him. And so they then they have a funeral for a friend. I mean, they have that whole scene. There's all the heroes, you know, you got Batman and Wonder Woman, Aquaman, everybody's there. Aliens come from around the galaxy to mourn him. Supergirl, this point in the comics, had been undercover to the world. He's like, you must keep yourself hidden. So now she picks up the mantle after his death and brings Luthor to justice. Now, they made it all very clear that this was an imaginary tale that hadn't happened yet. And then they keep saying, or maybe it did, or maybe it didn't. They keep saying that in all the descriptions, (laughs) which is pretty hilarious. But it's like, it's really taken seriously and it's a beautiful story. And so I was like, wow, you know, even though it was technically an Elseworlds tale, if you want to use that term, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, okay. So outside of continuity, it was the one time they took it seriously because the other book I picked up is Superman number 213 from 1969. And in this book, Superman is basically just faking his death to trick lex luther and throughout the whole book they keep saying are you catching on yet do you see what he's doing here and you're just like ah oh, come on guys like <laughs> let us think he's actually dead for a few pages at least so that that one was kind of a ripoff but the cover is very iconic because it's him in front of a tombstone and it's like do not open the door to this tomb until you know, the event of my death or whatever so it's one of those things <laughs> Oh, and I should mention, too, there was even an episode of Super Friends called The Death of Superman. So it was, this was not a wholly original idea in the world of Superman stories, but it was a very well-hyped event that worked. So starting in November of 1992, the Superman books and Justice League of America were overrun by this rampaging, mysterious Doomsday. We covered this in a recent episode, you know, the first appearance of Doomsday, and that ran through December. So they decided to kill Superman for Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas, Lex Luthor. But, you know, this all culminated in the actual death of Superman in issue number 75, which had multiple reprints, but probably most famously that black polybagged copy. Mm -hmm. You know, it had the bloody Superman insignia on it. It was packed with cards and a poster and a fake newspaper page. And obviously the black armband, I think, is what everybody always focused on. But I'm curious, what was your impression, guys, when you first read this book? What did you think? I really liked the story.
2: But the only thing about it all I I am still not a huge fan of was that it was a character created and introduced just to kill Superman, as in there was no history, which for I know my best friend at the time who was in the comics to him, that was a big part of the appeal because there was a whole mystery of who's doomsday. But for me, it's like, ah, this guy was created just to kill Superman. So luckily some more backstory was told later on after the death of Superman about where Doomsday came from. But the story itself, just the entire fight through all those issues, I'll throw it out there that I don't read very many modern comic books so i don't know how it stacks up today but through those years that was one of the more epic battles in comic books you know just the fact that it ran for several issues of one big battle and people falling into the battle and getting knocked out of it with these two still continue to fight on i I was just a big fan of the whole series not just the concept of the storyline but the actual execution of it too
1: yeah it's really interesting that it starts the real full rampage you know is in justice league of america where he just wipes the floor with the whole Justice League. Now granted, they weren't the most iconic version of the league, right? They were kind of second stringers at this point. But he's like destroying Guy Gardner and Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and everybody else. You're just like, wow, okay, so yeah, like a whole group of super people can't beat this guy. What's Superman gonna do one guy against him, but
0: So I too, I felt like this was one of the most epic battles and just like the splash pages alone, you know, these full panels of them fighting, when I got the book I didn't realize that the fight had started earlier and not just in this particular issue. And I went back to the comic book store the week later and you couldn't buy the previous issues that tied into this story. They were just sold out everywhere. And I was bummed because I wanted to read how it, led up to this point and i didn't have that till years later when i actually was able to get them after the fact but it's a it's a very interesting story because again like like mickey said you know this is a character that was just made to kill superman and i don't know one of my favorite movies is the movie unbreakable Mm -hmm. and in that film mr glass he says that you know there's two kinds of villains there's the villain that that beats you with his fists And there's the villain that beats you with his mind, who's like the arch nemesis, the real threat. And I always visualize that as, like, that's what would be the person that would be the ultimate enemy. So in Superman's case, it would be Lex Luthor. In Batman's, it would be the Joker and so on and so forth. Like, this was a brute fighting. It wasn't the guy that really outsmarted Superman. He just outlasted him in a fight. And and by outlasted, I mean barely because Superman basically beat him. He just used up all he could to fight this character.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's intense. I guess what always stood out for me in the fight is that there is a moment, you know, like, there's a lot of punching, there's a lot of all that, but at one point with his protruding bone elbow, he stabs Superman in the side, Uh and then the blood just shoots out. You're like, whoa, okay, you know, like, this is serious now. And, And that's a question I have for you, Michael. I feel like in some of the depictions, his blood is black, sometimes it's red. Does Superman have a specific color of Kryptonian blood, to your knowledge?
0: I mean, I've usually seen it as red, depending on the planet. Sometimes if he's on a different planet, it might be a different color. There was a story in the early 2010s called New Krypton, where they found the city of Kandor on Brainiac's ship, and they reanimated it to full size and gave them a planet on the opposite side of the sun, and they get into a fight, and i think he does bleed black there on that particular planet but not on earth
1: okay well and it's interesting because adjacent to that page so you know on the left side is doomsday stabbing superman in the side and then on the next page he's punching supergirl in the face and her face is splatting Mm -hmm. because she's actually a shape-shifting alien at this point this is not his cousin Kara, but still like it's one of those things you're just like wow like the intensity of what they're putting on there now i have to say i did not read Superman. Man number seventy-five as a single issue. I did not have it until I just picked up this copy recently because I've always wanted to have the black armband to commemorate that moment. I actually remember going to my friend Brent's house. I'm ten years old, so after school I'm going to his house and I see that he has the Superman seventy-five. It was like the newsstand edition with you know the cape all ragged and hanging there like a flag. And I was like, "What is that?" He's like, "Oh, Superman's dead." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, he got killed Uh, because I." I was reading Spider-Man 2099 that was my book of 1992 that's what I was excited about I was not paying attention to Superman so I'm like flipping through it real quick and I'm like this is crazy so then like about a month or two later then the death of Superman trade came out so then I just bought that and I read the full story that way so I was very late because uh, you know we'll get into this but there was a lull in the production of Superman books but that was fine because it gave Gave you time to catch up and so that's what I did so I was all ready for the reign of the Superman to kick off but um, like you guys said you know, it, it's, it's very well known that there was this plan by the editorial staff that with each successive issue the panels got fewer and larger to emphasize that action that intensity and one of the things they did to also make it extra special was in the black polybagged edition when you got to the last page it was actually a three page fold out of that yeah. crying lois lane cradling superman in her arms you know and that was never duplicated in any other reprint you know they just put it on different pages so i mean that is like a real widescreen presentation you're just like wow that's beautiful uh-huh. but they said they really had to, to plan that out quite a bit
0: So, before I go on, I wanted to point out something that Adams brought up the armband a couple times already. So, even as a 10-year-old boy, the armband fit no one's arm. It was just, (laughs) it was a little too small. You had to have the skinniest toothpick arms for this to even fit around. Like, I was a skinny little nothing. And I'm like, this doesn't even fit my arm. I can't even, and it didn't attach. It was just like a piece of fabric that you couldn't, like, Velcro together or anything. It was just kind of like there. I was like, oh, what a bummer. I wish you could you could have actually attached it to something or you could have worn it, and I would have sewn it on my jean jacket or something like that, you know that would have been kind of cool but yeah anyway that thing was a bummer because it let let me down so anyway the aftermath of superman 75 is a funeral for a friend series of books dc actually stopped publishing all superman titles for three months in order to make the death seem more impactful they released a few tie-in books like lex luthor and supergirl special uh and a fake magazine called news times dedicated to the death of superman this gave the writers and artists more time to make the reign of Superman story extra special
1: speaking of that news time magazine i actually picked up a copy of that as well of course you did yeah the, anything that blurs the line you know fiction and reality so there is a particular section called the world without superman the world reacts uh-huh. and they what they did was they got actual quotes from celebrities so they have some comic book characters like bruce wayne or lex luther the second or whoever that they have their responses but then they have people like dan rather they have penn gillette gillette says he'll have to die in a few more media before we're impressed penn and teller have died in feature films miami vice tv specials and on stage in more ways than one you know i mean john goodman who uh, we've noted on the show is actually a longtime comic book fan he writes a whole funny little story about how he met Mr. Mixing uh selling hot dogs <laughs> and then he made a crack about Superman being dead so John Goodman shoved him into the hot dog brine and it dissolved him. Like, there's just a lot of weird stuff in here and of course you mentioned Steel, Michael. Shaquille O'Neal yeah. mentions the legend of Superman will always live on. Superman proudly wore the S on his chest and in trying to follow in his footsteps I proudly wear the S on my back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Shaq was like, I'm there.
2: I picked that news time up when it was new on the market back then. And uh, that was, again, I read that cover to cover. It read like an issue of Time Magazine. Yeah. You know, with the news stories, different points of the coverage of it and
1: stuff. It's got and, fake ads for, like, mm-hmm. Lex Air Airlines and all these things. There's a, a particularly funny reference. It's a deep cut, but there is a Camelot 3000 car ad. But if anybody knows, there was actually a comic book called Camelot 3000. Mm-hmm. So that they were just playing on that.
2: But that magazine was really well
1: done for the time. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's an impressive piece of uh, of media and of ephemera to tie into it all. <laughs>
0: I've never seen it, but I don't have to like do some Googling and check this this magazine out. It's pretty interesting. So the Superman office claims that this story was what interests them most and led to them moving forward with a death storyline. They wanted to explore how would the world take the death of Superman? Or how would they react to Superman being gone? What would they do without him? I actually really like the Funeral for a Friend issues. I think they're really, really well done. And I have, I think there's a couple different versions of the first issue, like cover-wise. I think I have two out of the three different versions of the covers, and I was a big fan of those. The original one that first came out, and then they had like a reprint later on. Which-
1: yeah, there's a very iconic Supergirl cover that's one of the Funeral for a Friends. And I just love that, where she's like kind of turning, she's in front of a window, and it's just super yes, dramatic.
0: I have that one too i have that one i like that mm-hmm. one a lot this was reflected in real life as well with many people writing it to dc comics and earning a platinum copy of superman 75 if it was heartfelt enough so
1: as an example here the metropolis mailbag this is actually from issue number 81 of superman so this is towards the end of the storyline this kid writes it and says dear editor ever since i was a little kid i watched superman cartoons played like i was superman and acted like i had his powers i Looked up to Superman since then As hope for the future Thinking about Superman dying Killed me Superman kept the monsters Out of my closet Out from underneath my bed And kept me and my family safe Now that he's dead Part of me has died with him No five heroes Could equal Superman alone Those five won't be able To take his place ever All I want is for Superman To come back I know I'm 15 But deep inside I'm still that little kid Needing Superman to protect me Not only from monsters But from false judgments That will affect my future Superman will always Always be in our hearts, people say. I need more than that. I need to turn around and see him every day, not just remember him. To all the people out there who feel the same way, just remember that he'll always be there, no matter what. Willie B. McCall junior Schulter, Oklahoma. And then so in here the editorial staff says, You've got him, William, in your very own copy of our literally priceless platinum Superman number seventy five. As you may have noticed, we've been giving these rare special issues out in the letter columns that pertain to the entire race of doomsday fist page issues too i don't know what that means and funeral for a friend stories along with our traditional baldy award for journalistic excellence now you will be the proud possessor of the very last platinum edition awarded in these letters pages and superman's back in the picture too at least this last guy really does seem to be kal-el himself
2: the fist page issues i'm guessing were referenced to the very first panels of doomsday where all it was was him the fist. way out ah. of the we talked set. about that
0: a few weeks ago, actually, on, on mm-hmm. the, yeah. the show. Yeah. Now it's coming together. There we go. You
2: know, Platinum, Superman 75 or not, I don't think I could ever write that and put it out in public for people to read. Yeah. <laughs> no, I
0: don't think so. Either. That's that's a, that's a brave kid there at 15 years old.
2: You know, brave's one word.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm trying to be polite in 2020 eyes, you know. Also, in general pop culture, it became a big topic. A funeral for Superman was held in Metropolis, Illinois on December 12, 1992, and there were many news reports still on YouTube that you can find covering long lines to get the death issue and interviewing customers on why they were there.
2: Superman meets his demise at the hands of supervillain Doomsday in the 75th edition of the popular DC comic. There's a big fight between a character called Doomsday and Superman, and Superman is trying to protect Metropolis and his friends and uh, Lois and the other superheroes and uh, makes the ultimate sacrifice. Experts say the ultimate sacrifice could be profitable for collectors. Well, it depends on how many people want the particular issue. I mean, if there's 20 million people out there that want the two and a half million copies, then the loss of supply and demand will take hold.
1: Regardless of how the
2: masses feel, there's one special breed of expert who knows the true bottom line, the
1: serious investor. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's, like, good or bad, because, well, it doesn't really matter about the, the, um, the comic or, like, the person. This just matters of how much money it, it costs it cost and how much money it's worth.
2: His death is proving to be a rebirth in comic book sales. The Death of Superman edition comes double-sized, free bagged, with a pull-out poster and a Daily Planet obituary.
1: We just had a line that just was about 200 people that went around the corner. And it's just been nonstop busyness for about three days. It's like when the Cabbage Patch dolls came out. Women screaming saying, oh,
2: I got to have that, I got to have
1: that, because somebody gave up their issue.
2: And women just throwing things and everything. It was incredible. I wanted to run out of there and just kind of duck my head and stuff.
0: And
1: most comic book stores in Orange County are already sold out of Superman's 75th edition. A second printing is due out next week.
0: There was also a novelization of the story released to bookstores. I actually remember around this time there was a a TV special of like the 100 most iconic faces. And Superman at the time was number two on the list. You guys will never guess who number one was. You'll never guess. (laughs) Mel Gibson?
2: No. Mickey Mouse.
0: Oprah Winfrey.
2: Well, that's wow. not
0: surprising. Yeah. <laughs> so Superman was number two up in the top 100 most recognizable at this time because of this book. I'll never forget, I was sitting in like the kitchen in my mother and father's house having dinner and it was on. I was like, oh, why Superman number two? Everyone knows who Superman is. And then it said Oprah. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's Oprah. <laughs> Even at 10, I knew that. We've mentioned in the past that wizards seem to not be hyping the Death of Superman storyline at all during the months leading up to it. There were a few scattered ads and an insert poster in issue number 16, but the book wasn't even listed on the hottest book of the month it was being featured. Pit number one got that honor, because, you know, Pitt's really a big deal. <laughs> Boo! It seems that once the media attention and sales numbers came in, they changed their tune because it turns out that Wizard did have a hand in the promotion of the comic book stores leading up to the Adventures of Superman number 500.
1: Yeah, so I found on eBay a lot for an in-store promotional kit from DC Comics with letters to the store owners that was dated October 1992. So they were definitely hyping this up. They definitely had a plan in place. Now, this included things like a Superman tombstone counter display that you could, like, put the books in or just put the tombstone up if you wanted. A Funeral for a Friend memorial poster, you know, that iconic image that's shot from above with all the heroes on I either side of the poster. casket. Look. There were clip-on Rest in Peace pins And most interestingly, and related to our podcast here, a silver foil embossed rack header card reading Wizard, Superman Tribute Edition, and then it had the Superman insignia below it. So they were definitely aware of the push of the story. You know, they understood that it was a big deal and that even they were going to be involved in the tribute to Superman. So this is October. It's being promoted to the store owners. This special issue actually did not come out until April, or at least it's dated, april of 1993 so uh you know it's interesting that they seem to either be keeping it under wraps or like I don't, I don't understand why they weren't making a bigger deal in the magazine so i just found that really fascinating that they were a part of the official promotion through dc comics wizard was that tied in with them
0: and adventures of superman number 500 came in a white poly bag edition in contrast to the black bag of superman 75 and it was taught as the return of superman but it's not quite the case. It was instead a story of Pa Kent's dream after having a heart attack and visiting Clark Callell in the afterlife, but it included four preview stories, including the new Superman who arrived in Metropolis claiming to be the original. I had the white polybag book, and I remember it vividly. I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the story all that much, but I do remember the bag, and I vaguely remember the cover as well. But what about you guys? Did you, Adam, did you track this one down?
1: Oh, yes. Well, so this is interesting. So my friend last year, he gave me his older brother's comic book collection. He's like, my older brother gave me his comics. I only want to keep a few. Do you want them? I'm like, yes. And so I had Superman 500 in my long box for years. It was very cool because it had this peel-off feature on the cover where, you know, Superman, you see him and he's reaching out to paw Kent's hand, but then when you peel the plastic piece off, then it was empty. It was like, was he there? Was he ever really there? And so But I was lucky enough to get it still sealed in the white poly bag where it has, you know, removable translucent cover it touts on the back and then it says exclusive eight extra story pages and one Bloodlines trading card featuring four new Supermen, which I happen to have a copy of that just loose and it's beautiful. But yeah, I am on the other side of that argument, Michael, that I hated this story when it came out because they're making such a big deal. Oh, you're going to read this book and Superman is back and then you read it and it's all a dream and it's an old man's dream and he's going, through, like, the war and seeing old family members. And I was just like, this is the most boring thing I've ever read. And I i just so mad that they were, st- it was like the first time that a gimmick cover burned me. And I was just like, no, I, I do not like this. But then it did give us the preview of The Reign of the Supermen. So I was like, okay, you won me over a little bit. But the majority of this book was very disappointing. How about you, Mickey? Did you grab this off the rack back in the day?
2: I don't think you and I can be friends anymore because. <laughs> I thought it was a great story. Right. I really did. Not necessarily a dream, it's the hallucinations of a possible dying man, you know. A couple of parts of it that still stick out to me off the top of my head were where Paul was trying to convince Clark that we raised you to be like a mortal like we are. Maybe that don't have to be for you. You're not built like us. Maybe you don't really have to be dead. Stop thinking like an earthling and the part where he helps Superman fight off the demons. But to me, the best part of that comic was there at the end when they join hands and are hugging. It's like, we're going to go into the light together. And they jump through, and that's when Paul comes back in the hospital. He's awake again, and he's talking about that he brought Clark back with him. And then it rolls right into the four sightings of the new Superman. And to me, it was very evident, okay, you know, Superman is back. We don't know exactly how, but those two panels where he comes back and he brought Clark with him was enough for me to know that Superman is back
1: this is what I will say I think it is excellent storytelling but speaking as the 10 year old that picked up the book that's where my disappointment came in because I was not mature enough or ready for that level of storytelling. Because to me, I was like, yeah, Superman's going to reemerge. We're going to find out how he's resurrected. We're going to find all those things out. And so they just, they made it seem so much that way. And, and that's where I was upset. But I, I agree with you that when you look at, yes, okay, this is a, a beautiful story and a very heartfelt story of a, of a father who raised a son and, and all those things. But yeah, it's just, ugh. It's hyped as one thing, and you get something else that maybe you're not prepared for. That's all I'm saying.
2: But look at the time frame, though. The gimmick covers, the polybag stuff, all that was for the speculator market. The story was just a bonus for some people. So a lot of people probably never read the story, who bought the book because of what it was. And then you had those of us who were invested in the storyline. Like, I could care less. I ripped the bag open, tossed the white bag away, you know, as soon as I got it home. That part didn't bother me because I wanted the story. But I could see how, you know, if you're pumped about it's going to be a special issue, a special cover, what's it going to be worth? And then you actually read it and you're like, eh, well, that kind of sucked. Well, hey, but I still got a cool comic book. <laughs> I can see that side of it too, though.
0: I looked at it like this. Like, I always hated when comic books kill off a character and they're back five six issues later i was glad that they didn't just bring him back it's just so so quickly and they were trying something different and trying to reinvent the character and they and they and they actually created new characters out of these stories which i thought was really great because after crisis on infinite earth barry allen was dead 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 and even though you know supergirl was quote-unquote back but she was really a shapeshifter it wasn't really the same person i appreciated that as opposed to just they nowadays they kill off a character they're back in four issues and you're like wait but it it defeats the purpose of being so significant and and i was glad they were able to tell a story that was something like a return but without you know slamming it over your head and say hey he's really back
1: well, I'd like like you say, I mean, what it was doing, it really was leading into now this reign of the Superman, this mystery, right? Because Pa is telling us, "Oh, I think that he's back. I'm feeling it." And then now everybody else is going to be thrown into that level of uncertainty, like who is Superman? Is he really here? Because, and this is what they said, you know, the editorial staff, they really wanted to say, "Okay, you know, Superman's gone. How does the world fill the void?" And so, I think this is what everybody really remembers about this era of superman this was the most exciting thing to be a part of the reign of the superman so during the last week of april 1993 the four superman titles all returned from that three-month hiatus they each had a different color cover with a die-cut superman symbol that when he opened the cover it revealed the full look of the new superman who was going to star that book for the next few months and i just thought that was so exciting like it was just like wow i can't believe it you know like you say michael the idea of getting new characters i mean that was huge huge and so we had action comics number 687 featured a being of energy who got reassembled in the fortress of solitude and then he ends up inhabiting superman's body in the tomb to become a visor wearing super vigilante who dispenses this cold deadly justice but he looks just like superman he's in superman's body so you're like okay well i mean the mystery's over right i mean that's no. superman isn't he except he's killing people now the roy orbison superman <laughs> those are some very thick glasses and then in adventures of superman number 501 we had a leather jacket wearing teenage clone of superman don't call him superboy who is anxious to prove he's the real deal he joins up with the wgbs news team and tana moon to chronicle his exploits so that was quite a look i mean if you liked the new robin I feel like if you were a Tim Drake fan, this Superboy you're going to be over the moon for. How did you feel about it, Michael?
0: It was a cool look. It was it was very of the times. Like I I know for a fact anybody that saw the Superboy with that leather jacket, every 10 to 15-year-old boy was like, "Dude, I need a leather jacket now. I know I got one." <laughs> so, yes because weren't his sunglasses round? Wasn't that a big thing yes. back then? Because mm-hmm. I found a pair of, like, round sunglasses with, like, a metal <laughs> wire frame. I had that look, and, and then you would cut your hair. Everyone would have the little lines shaved in their head. I did that, too. Yeah, it was it was a thing. It was, like, a trend-setting thing for boys of that time period.
1: Well, it's interesting, too. I, I In rereading the issue, he got those glasses from, like, the first criminals he stops you know so he just takes them off the guy's face and he starts wearing his glasses so i thought that was kind of funny Mickey, were you a fan of the superboy look no
2: i was i still had my red leather jacket from the michael jackson era in the closet oh. so i didn't need the new one <laughs> <laughs> no he was a good character he initially at the age of people reading the comics i was 14 15 ish at this time he was the embodiment of what People my age at that time thought was cool. So, you know, he put out the image that we all wanted to be at that time. So, interesting yeah. to read along
1: now in Superman Man of Steel number 22 very appropriately featuring John Henry Irons explaining how Superman saved his life and possibly transferred his life energy into him and so anyway he's constructed a suit of armor to fight as steel against an arms dealer called the White Rabbit that is selling weapons he regrettably designed years before so obviously we talked about it Shaq made a movie based on this character that was not so good, but the character of the comics has always been awesome. Yeah, like
2: Michael said earlier, Steel was my favorite iteration of these four. He's the one that I thought best embodied the idea of Superman, and uh, I was rooting hard for him, but It was not to be.
1: (laughs) Now, also in the mix, in Superman number 78, we had the Cyborg Superman, who steals Doomsday's body from the Cadmus Project and launches it into space. And then later, he's confronted by Lois, and he's claiming to have amnesia but then he gets tested and it proves his metallic parts are Kryptonian and his DNA matches Superman's and he looks just like Superman except with some Terminator looking parts all around him. So it would seem like very likely this could be Superman. I mean, he's got the costume he's really playing it up to make us think that he is the original. And I gotta say, this is where I think Dan Jurgens really shines. Just every illustration of Cyborg mm-hmm. Superman is beautiful to me. I love everything he put together there
0: it's beautiful but it's not terrifying like sometimes they draw the cyborgs and it's terrifying looking it's almost the essence of superman and and, and his face you feel that for that character even though that you know it's not really superman whereas sometimes they make him a monster and i don't like it when they do it that way
2: well and you know right before this terminator two judgment day came out mm-hmm. where arnold was the hero and the sympathetic you know lowering down into the the molten steel That made it okay to like the cyborg person, so this was just a
1: further extension of that, it felt like now in the tribute edition here wizard actually profiles each of the supermen and they literally are just giving away the plot of each of these books that we just described and like on the first page of it they show them all in silhouette and they're all whited out so you don't know what they look like but then on the next four pages you see their full look I mean this was coming out concurrently with the issues so I guess it wasn't that much of a spoiler but it, it was kind of interesting to me they're just, like, oh, they're just giving it all away but they weren't telling us how the reign of the supermen was going Going to play out. Now, I will tell you guys, I recently was watching, in preparation for the show, a YouTube playthrough of the Death and Return of Superman video game for the sega genesis it was on the the super nes 2 but that game literally i mean it's it's almost like beat for beat the entire story and it's beautiful like it's really cool and in fact it's it's hilarious because it's kind of like a a final fight type of game you know you're just walking through double dragon beating people up and then each boss though is the story point so after level two superman fights doomsday but you know you can't win so you know (laughs) you know you're going to die so it's it's so funny to, to watch and play that level, then the end of the level is literally the two of them hitting each other and they both die. And then it's like level complete. and then it moves in and it's taking little bits and pieces from the comic and so then you play as Cyborg Superman then you play as Superboy then you play as Steel and then they battle each other as end level bosses you know because that's what happens during the Raid of the Superman storyline they're fighting each other trying to prove who's the real Superman so it's really really cool I mean it goes to the point of you know the, the final return of Superman like the title of the game says so I was really actually very impressed by that but i'm curious for you guys as you were reading the reign of the superman what stood out to you most what were the biggest story points or plot points that impressed you when you were reading
0: i do remember the toward the end of the series when superman is back in the black suit and then you know hal jordan is there and they're doing the actual final fight with him and cyborg superman Yeah, I mean, it's worth
1: mentioning, as you mentioned Green Lantern, I mean, within this story, they actually destroy Coast City, Green Lantern's home base, which is crazy.
2: Right. That's a nice point that I was going to bring up, which leads into the Emerald Twilight, the whole downfall of Hal Jordan storyline. But I remember in the book that introduced Cyborg Superman, like you said, he's going through all these details and he takes Doomsday's body and flies it into space, straps it to an asteroid. And the story point that got me was the last page of that where it says something to the effect of they say in space, no one can hear you scream or something. But if you could, you would hear laughter. And Doomsday is awake and laughing on that asteroid. And you just knew like, oh, okay, so we've not seen the end of Doomsday. So even after Reign of the Superman, there's going to be more Doomsday. And that story point still sticks out to me today. I can see that image in my head from that final page of that issue
1: yeah well and i always remember there was an issue uh that had the cyborg superman fighting the eradicator who was you know the roy orbison superman as you said (laughs) and on that cover image he's blasting a hole through his chest through his back and he's just like his head is like disintegrating and everything you're just like whoa so i mean he gets destroyed he ends up like recuperating i think back in the fortress of solitude again they're trying to like reconstitute him but i mean that when i was like whoa like so the supermen are gonna kill each other like this is crazy
2: well that should have been the first clue that the cyborg superman was not the real deal yeah there's another story point that i want to bring up that's outside of the story it was around the same time i want to say it was issue 10 a spawn my best friend was a big spawn fan and there was a panel or two in that issue where spawns like in some prison somewhere And there's a silhouette of Superman. It's like he's in hell or something. And there's a silhouette of Superman outside the cell telling Spawn that you have the power now. Take it. I'm giving it to you. And and my best friend was convinced that Spawn was going to be the new Superman. He, He had... No idea how business worked, you know, and companies that own their own characters and stuff. But it was a nice little wink and nod from Todd McFarlane, I guess, to uh, play into the storyline a little bit. That Superman uh, died the hail and was given the power to spawn.
1: <laughs> that is beautiful. I love that. Never heard that before. Somebody there on social media, we got to look that up. Scan the page if you've got it. We want to see that panel. But, well, Michael, why don't you tell us about the
0: return? So, Superman officially returned in Superman number 81. And by then, it was revealed that the cyborg Superman had teamed up with Mongol to turn Earth into a war world traveling planet in exchange for his help in getting revenge on Superman. So Steel, Superboy, and Superman team up to take them down. I really, really enjoyed this particular book, and I I remember the covers. I remember the black suit. The story overall, I was moderately impressed with i thought it was visually it looked really really nice but i felt like it could have been a little bit more strong i do love that iconic look of the the black suit with the with the silver chest emblem i think it's really really a cool imagery and it was right then and there when i started seeing like you know you really started noticing hal jordan with the gray on his side that you knew something was happening with him at the same time in that story and that was pretty cool what do you guys think about this story?
2: I really liked it, but the comic book version felt rushed.
0: Right? It felt rushed, right? I thought the,
2: so. Well, especially, you know, Adam mentioned earlier there was a novelization of all this that I bought back then, and It's one third of the book is The Return of Superman, and it's a massive paperback. It's like 600 pages, but it's a lot more drawn out and you get a lot more of the backstory of the motivation of Hank Henshaw and and Mongol and stuff. It's nowhere near as rushed. If Anything, it kind of drags on in the novel. So reading it in contrast, the comic book just felt really rushed. I mean, it's still the basic concept was a really good story, you know, The Return, but the novelization does it way more justice
1: yeah and i i think it's obviously the most striking difference because you say the costume and he's still a little bit depowered so he has to actually get like these rocket boots to fly around and stuff mm-hmm. but of course he's got the long hair you know people refer to it as the super mullet it wasn't a mullet i mean he had long flowing black hair and this was a new era of superman and that's what always stood out to me the most i was like superman has long hair and then guess what he doesn't cut it for like three years years. I mean, he keeps that long hair. That is the new look of Superman everywhere when you would see him in any book. You know, and I think like some of the promotional and merchandising, they still kept the short haired look, but for the most part, anything related to comics, you would always see long haired Superman and it just blew my mind. I was like, when are they going to change him back? When are they going to cut his hair? And they were saving it for like the wedding issue when they finally had the wedding happening on Lois and Clark, the new adventure a the Superman they said okay now we could do the wedding issue of Lois and Clark and he cut his hair like for Lois I think he makes a joke about it but that always cracked me up
2: but you know it was a lot of people must have liked it or talked about it or you know it became iconic whether people liked it or not because we was talking earlier about Kingdom Come the early part of that Superman has the long hair and the ponytail again yeah. you know when he gets older
0: so there's an issue the first actual issue of him back as superman after this story where he actually he's in metropolis and he finds clark kent and digs him out of the rubble i forget how they do that is it is it john jones Shape shifting as into a Clark Kent, I, I, it's all fuzzy in my head all of a sudden. But I remember it like there's a there's a moment where everyone's like, "Oh, are you Clark Kent? Are you Clark Kent?" Because he's missing too, and you know now you're back. Is Clark Kent back? And then he like digs him out of the rubble in the city. He's like, "Oh, he's right here." And I was like, "Is he a shapeshifter? What, what? Like, what was it? Who was playing him? Do you guys know?" I don't remember that part. Yeah, yeah we'll
1: have to look into that. Well,
2: remember earlier Adam talked about he had all those superpowers where he could. You know, <laughs> Throw his voice and stuff.
1: <laughs> he just he had multiple man powers for an issue, you know, he could just recreate a body, a little shell that he could set down there. Yeah, who knows whether it was like a dummy or maybe Matrix decided to shapeshift and maybe. not be Supergirl for a minute, be Clark Kent. Yeah.
0: I got to look into it because I have the issue downstairs in my basement. And I remember, there's this moment where you see Clark Kent glasses, also with long hair, and Superman standing next to him. He's like, oh, he's right here. I forget how it happens, what what they say. I I think it's Martian Manhunter, but I can't remember. I have to to look in the book and I'll find it.
2: Which I don't remember, but that would kind of surprise me if it was John Jones because he was already tied up in the other shape-shifting storyline at this time where he was Bloodwind of the Justice League. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that's who he was. Oh, this mysterious Bloodwind. I never knew yeah. the end of that guy's story and the mystery about him. That's awesome. It was it was John
2: Jones. Martian
1: Manhunter.
0: I didn't know that either. That's interesting.
1: <laughs> oh. Spoiler guys, you got it here. <laughs> no, everybody was all these years worried about the mystery of Bloodwind. <laughs> But I mean, guys, this has been a great discussion about what I feel was a very successful, you know, aside from just like the hype and the media and everything, you know, overall, this was a very well done storyline in that they took their time, they gave stages to it, they built a mystery, they paid everything off. And, you know, I don't know that the Superman books carried on in popularity. I think they began to wane once again years out from this. But I do know that the editorial office claimed at least a lot of people were... Were very happy to know that the superman books were more dense more rich had more characters like you said mickey people found out oh you know it wasn't just all about superman and so maybe some people stayed on after this were you guys one of them oh yeah
0: i, I stayed on for probably about another two years afterwards or so maybe two and a half years where i was still buying regularly and then i don't know I think by that point it was, what, 1995, 96, give or take, and then girls started showing up, and I stopped buying comics for a little while.
2: The Superman red and blue was kind of my breaking point.
0: Yeah, Yes, that's what it was. Yes, he, when he was Clark and he had no powers, but then he would separate into red and blue, and I was like, uh, I'm out. That's it. And it I was bailed. too much
2: to keep track of.
0: Yes, way too much. The action figures were cool, but the but the story mm-hmm. wasn't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then, you know, obviously, like we've alluded to during this uh, discussion, is that right after this, we're getting into the Nightfall saga is not far off, right. and then Emerald Twilight. So it was like every hero was going through some sort of death or major crisis that they were going to have to pull themselves out of. And, uh, you know, for some of them, it affected them for many years, like Hal Jordan going on and Parallax and becoming the Spectre and everything else that went on, getting a new Green Lantern to take his place. And kyle rayner we will cover nightfall soon enough that's going to be an interesting discussion as we determine was nightfall better than the death and return of superman we shall see where we fall with that but mickey thank you so much for joining us i'm glad to finally have you on the show did you have any final thoughts you wanted to share with us
2: Well, I wanted to work this in somewhere and talk about, you know, the show in general for just a minute, how great it is with you guys. You know, like I mentioned in my little origin story, my comic fandom lived and breathed through Wizard. And so when, Adam, you pitched this originally last year, that's why I was so on board, because so many hours of my week was spent in the pages of Wizard magazine. I couldn't wait to go back and revisit it. And you guys have just knocked it out of the park. And we're so glad that you wanted to do this and are doing it as part of the retro network. I would be so happy even if it wasn't part of the retro network, just because it exists and it should exist to go back and examine that point in time of comic books that a lot of people look at with, I ain't going to say disdain, but you know, you look sideways at the speculator era. There was a lot of good that come out of it. And for all the, the talk about Wizard and their are rolling that through the years. A lot of good come out of Wizard too. So I'm glad you guys are covering this like you do issue to issue. It gives me something to do and
1: I know it gives a lot of other people something to do.
0: Thank you. That means a lot. That's really nice of you to say.
1: Yeah, and we love it and we love hearing from everybody. We loved hearing from the Wizard staffers especially that are feeling appreciated now that we're doing their interview series. And they're just like, it meant so much to me when I was reading it and then I got to work there, but then it's forgotten. So we're glad that somebody's Talking about it. And i I actually, often the question when we get them for the interview is like, wait, so why are you guys doing this, though? (laughs) It was like, because it meant so much to so many of us, just like you said, Mickey. And I will uh, a little plug for the Retro Network's regular feature on YouTube, the Wax Pack Flashback. Mickey, you did open up a pack of the Death of Superman trading cards a couple months back.
2: And. I have some of the Reign of Superman cards that are coming up too. Oh, so boxed cool. in this
1: yeah so everybody keep an eye out for that on youtube and if you're not subscribed to the retro network this is your first time checking out wizards get in on that if you're a nostalgic person you love looking back so many great shows you could get into the history of pro wrestling you could get into the history of movies you could get into our comics discussions i mean and of course all the great topics that happen on the main retro network podcast which is fantastic with jason and mickey every week so with that we thank you so much for listening be sure to tell your friends about the show and until next time